0: That's true. So I, I understand and I can concede you're probably right. That
1: the stakes are much higher. I wasn't thinking of it that way. Yeah. Well, that was unfortunate because I was hoping to be like, hey, I've got some of these soft skills because I've been on the internet for 30 years. I can do this. I guess I throw that thought out. And coming back to the original premise of, of my question, I'm like trying to, how do I demonstrate I've got managerial skills? How do I make that jump? I guess that's not that is not a sufficient way to demonstrate that. Honestly, it feels like it, maybe I just need to go back to school, which I really don't want to because it seems like an awful lot of money and time. Really, don't want to do that.
0: Surely, there's another way. Yeah, it's something
1: to consider more. And there's there's more so more depth there. I've got an idea oh, for
0: you.
2: I've got an idea. Really, for you,
1: Jeff. you're going to be helpful here.
2: Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be helpful.
1: Hang on, let me think. it's um. Start a, I'm start recording a new, the date and time because this is a rarity. Yeah. Yeah. So start a new distro
2: with plans to be easy for people to migrate from Windows to Linux. And you can call it like, right. like Lindos. Right. Or okay. So. And then get a team around you and then develop that and release that. And then, then you'll have management experience.
1: So this is you being helpful? Yes. This is me being helpful. Right. JT, there's been a lot on my mind recently. It's, you know, it's been a while since we've recorded some of these, and so there's been lots of thoughts that built up. But one in particular keeps bubbling up, and I wanted to run it by you. How does a person who is a developer or engineer and has been their entire career make the jump into managerial status? Seems like there's this big gulf there. A lot of people they just they want to stay technical or they want to stay on the you know development side, and they don't really want to get promoted to like people manager but it's a completely different skill set. And I don't know if that's where I'm heading, but it just, I've wondered about this. Like, how does this process happen? It it seems like, what my understanding is, you work at a company for a long time, someone sees the value you're producing and that you would have quite a lot of knowledge in this topic that you're on a team about, enough that you might make a good leader of it. And then there's an absence, someone gets promoted or someone gets fired, and then you get promoted into that place. But that requires you to stay at a company for a long time. And that seems kind of incompatible with the modern job-humping method of getting
0: higher and higher salaries. So I wanted to toss this out there to you, and I think there's kind of a lot to explore there. I had the thought, could I use any of this open-source experience that I've got, and could that be considered... I lost my train of thought. We're gonna to have to cut this later. I don't know what I was gonna say. Just let's
1: just it's gonna cut there. I'm, I'm gonna I make you edit. No, there.
2: or I'm just not gonna edit there, and I'm just gonna keep. No,
1: I'm I'm looking at his face right now, and I can tell that he's not gonna edit this out because he's gonna find it very interesting. Hey, we like so, to keep our
2: show real, and not yeah, overproduced yeah, well, yeah. and all that. Okay, there's
1: there's overproduced, and then there's this.
2: That's why we don't have stingers and sounds and big intro flufla and 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 kerfluffle. And and all that stuff.
1: Okay. Um,
2: Yeah. But to get back to your question. Yeah. Yeah. How do you make the jump? Well, let me tell you. How do you make that jump? Let me tell you. I have no idea.
1: Oh, you're a big help. I think you have to be like married to or or cousin of or or somebody that's important. Right? Nepotism. That's a really great way to get promoted. So
2: the big problem is that management is fundamentally a different skill than being a good engineer. And if you've ever worked anywhere that has done the, this guy's a really good engineer, let's promote him. You have probably seen where that has not gone well. Because as it turns out, a lot of the really, really good engineers also don't really, really have good interpersonal skills. I don't want say they're mutually exclusive. Oh, no, they're not mutually exclusive. But they, there is yeah. definitely a lot of overlap in in that Venn diagram. There's, yeah. There's a correlation
1: there between... You know,
2: know, the exceptional developers are usually exceptional because they can focus in on that kind of engineering mindset side where everything is just an item that interacts with another item in a very specific, intentional, expected way, and that's not people.
1: Right. They're They're the opposite of expected. Pretty much at every step, yes. So...
2: Unfortunately, what I have seen is that usually people don't get promoted into management roles by being good at their job. Managers come in from somewhere else having already had a manager job. It's that it's that chicken or egg, just like when you're trying to get your first job. Exactly. Like, oh, well, you need experience. Mm-hmm. Well, how do I get experience if I can't get the job to get the experience? It, this, basically, the same thing happens on that management role. Right. Or that management yep. level. So It's interesting that in general in kind of the IT tech world, we don't have anything figured out for how to navigate that because we seem to be really good at figuring out algorithms and processes and how to, you know, data flow and, but yet when it comes to the human stuff at a company that seems to lack, like in the military, there's like, that stuff is well planned out. Like there's a track and you know what the track is, right? And, you get to a certain point and you're like, hey, I want to go towards, you know, maybe doing that, going into the kind of a leadership role. Not I don't mean officer. I mean, still within the enlisted ranks, you know, there's OK, well, I need to take this course. I need to do this. I need to you know, take these classes. I need to take these tests like it's already structured out. So, you know, the path you have to go if you want to do that, that doesn't exist in much of the real world. It's kind of just a crapshoot. Um, right. I do think that the open source thing can have a benefit. If you are in a project where you can get that, the downside is, I think it's probably going to have to be a really big project for it to carry anywhere. Probably right. You know, it, if right. you is like, oh, I've got this little piece of open source software, and I've got you know a couple people that send in PRs. Like, I don't think that's going to cut it. Even if right. it's a project where you have two people that routinely do PRs. I don't think that's going to cut it.
1: It's also very situational dependent on the kind of work that you're doing. So if I work in the development world, try to, try to spend all my time in the development world. And so the skills in open source kind of development model overlap very strongly. It doesn't really work for IT, classic IT operations kind of well, stuff. It as does, much.
2: but again, that's within the big projects. So for I'll use Fedora as an example. Okay. You know, Fedora has people that just work on Fedora's IT infrastructure and setting everything up and configuring it and and all that. So, you know, if if you've been on that team for a while and you've helped do some major migrations or updates or whatever, that then, you know, you're integrating with other people, you can use that. But again, that's something you're going to get only in a very big project, and there's only so many of those very big projects. Right. You take a smaller project, like let's say Lumina, yeah, that's the, we're not going to have that ability. And even if we did have, if I was like, okay, let's, let's build some huge new uh, C D pipeline and we're going to do VMs and we're going to do, even if I planned all that out, it, it's still going to be seen as, okay, yeah, but you really just basically did that with yourself and got help from a couple people. Like you weren't really managing other people. The other thing with it being open source is it's not full time. So you're not doing that daily grind of, actually management and oversight and all that. It's okay, yeah, it's even if it's a big project and you did some some project management stuff. Well realistically what well, was it like maybe a day a week that you spent an hour or so? Like that's very different than being in a business eight hours a day, five days a week doing that.
1: Eight hours a day. Well, you know, in quotes. Eight. Yeah, in quotes, eight. Yeah. Some people actually do get to do just yeah, eight. some people
2: do 3 i say of they them. did
1: eight. Some people do... Well, okay. I'm kind of jealous of those people, too, but it's not Some my... people do 12 not... and say they did 8. You know, it, it varies. And some people take PTO and still work. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I know some people that do that. I usually you're really pissed off when they do that.
1: Yeah, well, the, the person you're thinking have, hasn't done that in a while. So
2: well, that's good. That's good. I'm glad that that person that I'm thinking of, that I'm not mentioning, has not done that in a while.
1: Yes, I'm, I'm rather glad, too. Because that person would know that I would
2: berate them on the stream. While of we were course talking, recording yes. an episode. If
1: if, if if I was doing a yes.
2: podcast with that person right. and recording an episode just,
1: if you just so happen to be in this particular situation. Right. Yes. Yes. So no, it's um uh it's been on my mind a lot. I don't know where I'm going in my career, honestly. There's I've I've been in DevOps for so long and the skill sets they were evolving very rapidly, but it feels to me like they've This is probably an incorrect statement. It feels like they slowed down some, like the tools we've got are now evolved enough that there's, we're not really coming up with new tools. We're just evolving on the existing tools. So once you have a good handle on a tool, you can generally bank on that skill being reliable. Now, for 20 years or so, it seems like every time you turn around, there was a new something that was going to be very useful to you. And there's still new projects popping up all the time, new, new softwares and new enterprise products and new this and that. But in general, I, I guess I don't feel the need to track them as closely, and so I'm like, hmm, um, what's next? Right? How do I keep advancing? Because one thing you cannot do is sit still, even if there's not a lot of change happening, there's still going to be change. You can't you can't be seen to be sitting still, even. So I don't really know what's next, frankly, but it's I, I do think at some point I would like to lead a team of developers in the future, and so naturally the thinking was, well, okay. Is that near or far future, and if it's near future, how do how does that work? Like I, I, don't, I don't have really any background in this. frankly. <laughs> Maybe I need to go find a mentor who's done this or has climbed that ladder and knows what to do.
2: So what you need to do is you need to get some uh, come up with a good idea, get some VC money, then hire a bunch of people that you know, and then you're the project manager for this thing, and then, of course, since you have the VC money, you then sell it out.) Um, and then you can, you know, wash your hands of it. And from that point on, it's, you know, it's, it's gone into the, into the ether. And then you use that as, oh, wow, yeah, I did this startup and I, you know, led this team. Self-generating and, the experience yeah, then.
0: yeah. Do you know any VCs? Uh, no, I don't. Do you have any good ideas? Uh, yes. Not that I'm saying on stream.
1: Right. Yeah. No, of course not. It would never do the thing. But uh, yeah, well, that's a wig. That's, that's definitely a way I don't know any VCs and I don't have any good ideas like that. So maybe that's, um, I'll follow that away for a maybe later, but it does. I know people that have done that mm-hmm. and maybe you find that you're really good at building companies or something, right? Like I said earlier, they're not the same skill sets. Like you can apply a fair number of techniques and concepts from development into building a company, but there's a lot that doesn't translate at all. And then actually, if you try and treat a business as if it was just another development project, you end up... I've seen this happen. You get into trouble with a lot of business stuff that doesn't translate well. Like, you end up not getting your permits, or or you haven't glad-handed with the right people, and you just can't get this thing across the door, or whatever. I've, I've seen it happen. I've I've, you know, I've read about it. So, I don't know. Yeah, that might be a way to go. So it seems like there's... Well, let's go back. Let's, there's a fundamental assumption here, right? And we just both skipped over it earlier. I think that means we both agree that in order to get promoted, you change jobs. It's really hard to get promoted within a company.
2: That is, the, uh, that is kind of the way that our industry works nowadays.
1: Right. Is, okay.
2: Um, and, and the industry has unfortunately kind of created that problem because that's effectively the way you get a raise of any subst- substance is to change companies. Because your company is only going to give you five percent, maybe if you're lucky, right, All of a raise. But if you change to a different company, even if you do the same exact thing, you can usually negotiate for ten, twenty, thirty percent. I know people that have literally doubled their income doing the same wow. exact thing, moving from one company to another. Wow. Now, obviously, that's not as
1: common, right? Yeah that's that's a that's a relatively unique case.
2: Yeah, because it. Companies will change. They will bump up the rate at which of what new hires will get. So let's say you came into a company and you were getting paid 50 um, and you've been with the company for five years and you've gotten your 5% raise. Well, in those five years, now they're bringing people into the company at 65, but you're not at 65 because you've only been getting your 5% raise on 50. And for some reason, the companies don't seem to go, oh, wow. Yeah, we're bringing new people in at 65. So, maybe we should do something where, if we're going to give you a raise, you should be above what the new people get because you've been here for five years, but that doesn't seem to be the way that companies are. Um, yes, I know my video just went psycho. I don't know why
1: it's It's kind of like a psychedelic nineties video or something
2: yeah I, um I can did you breathe
1: on the cable or something?
2: No, I did nothing. Well uh, so Turn the camera off. Okay, well, turn the camera back on.
1: Oh, nope. no. Camera feed coming in. You can see at the very top, I could think I could see the top of your room. Maybe not. So I don't know. That's interesting. I guess we're going cameraless. I'll not be able to see your face. I'll only be able to get audio cues of what you're saying or how you're feeling. So that's going to be interesting. But you can still see me.
0: So this has become even more one way now. Interesting. Hmm. Pause for a moment while JT fixes his broken stuff. Okay. Um. Let's try. I mean, you can hear me though, right? I can hear you. Yeah. We want to just proceed like this. We can. I think we're back. There, there we go. Again. I
1: well, just what'd you disconnected
2: do? the capture device, turned off the camera, and then reattached everything. Okay. So anyway. Well, um.
1: Works. All right.
2: Yeah, so companies have kind of made this crap situation and then that's why like no one has company loyalty anymore because you know, you're not going to pay me adequately, but I know if I leave and go somewhere else I'm going to get paid better. So people are going to leave and go somewhere else. And then that just creates the same feedback loop to where a company isn't going to be as loyal to you because oh, well you're just going to leave and go somewhere else. It's like, "Well, well yeah, because you're treating me like poo." Pretty much, yeah Pay me appropriately, and then I'll feel a lot better about you know being willing to maybe take some slings and arrows every once in a while than just well, I know if I go somewhere else I'm going to make fifty percent more than I'm making today.
1: So I think there's yeah yeah I don't like that our industry is this way, and I also kind of want to dispute that this is a, this is probably a major. Reason why corporate loyalty is down, but I, I think honestly it goes farther back than that. Beginning in the 80s and 90s, when the mergers and acquisitions and the buying companies and cutting them up for pieces for profit and destroying company. Like this company's been around for 40 years, but it's more profitable if we break it up and sell the pieces. So who cares what the employees think? We're going to do that anyway. And then the 90s, there were a lot more layoffs and a lot more just right-sizing. I mean, heck, that movie Office Space is from the late 90s, as I recall, and kind of touches on... It was a, not a new concept, layoffs weren't, but I think the speed and the decisiveness with which companies were laying off was relatively new, The the much higher pace, and that, that, that builds patterns. We're now a generation and a half removed from that period of, of our history. And parents teach their kids... Don't, I think that's don't
0: also... To... <sighs>
2: That's a difficult one to kind of just look at as a singular issue, because that was also around the time when everything was starting to become digitized. And companies had a lot of people who were... That's true. What they were doing was getting taken over. So a lot of companies were trying to find other places for those people, but they didn't really have the positions available. So people ended up in made-up spots that didn't really do much because what they used to do wasn't really a full-time job anymore. Or, you know, three people's jobs had been condensed down to one, but they didn't want to lay the people off, so they tried to find something else to do. But obviously you can only do that for so long until you've got a ton of dead weight at a company. And then, so when a buyout does happen, and then that new company then looks at the situation, it's not necessarily they're coming in looking to, I'm going to ax 30% of the company. But when they buy it and then they come in and they look at it and they go, well, hold on a second. Why are three people doing the job of one person? Like, this doesn't make any sense.
1: Because they're... No, I honestly think a lot of business theses could include that, frankly. So I, I, we're going to come in and cut dead weight. Or there's a lot of companies who cut the dead weight. Um, I think it's a pretty common playbook. If you want to put yourself up for sale, do what you can to build business. Cut your personnel down to a minimum for a little over a year, in one fiscal year. And then you have nice, clean books you're still coasting on, you know, you get, there's a hysteresis there where the quality of your work is declining, but you still have clients. So you do this for a year, your numbers look really good, then you go get yourself bought and you don't care. It's a very pyrrhic way to sell your company and it's very destructive to the employees, but if you don't care about them, then it's all about the money, go for it.
2: Yeah, and I think, I think I, that's I, just, I just a general trend of the people owning and running the company being disconnected from the people who actually work at the company. You know, when when everything was more of a local business or a regional business, there was definitely more of a connection between the two. Where now, for for a lot of places, you know, you're just you're just a number in a spreadsheet. Your employee number 132, or whatever, or you know, worse, your employee number thirteen thousand five hundred and
1: ten. Yeah, I was gonna say one hundred thirty two <laughs> thousand, right. right? Yeah, some of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. So things have gotten larger, more impersonal, but they're also connectedness of the internet kind of bridges that gap. Some. You can have corporations that span 90 locations and have them all kind of coordinate work together. That that we're talking about the largest of the corporations there that can pull off such things. I mean, you know, there's small, medium-sized law offices that'll have maybe an office in one or two in the United States, one in London, and one in Singapore or something. You know, just kind of spread their talents out there. Depending on like like a banking kind of law office or, or. I guess banks would be able to do things like
0: that. But it seems like the
1: impersonality, I don't know if that's a word, I'm going to make it a word, impersonality of modern work, of modern employment, has gotten so transactional, is a good way to put it. You're going to do it for me, I'm going to do for you, we both know this is going to end, so let's try and get what we can out of this relationship before it ends. I just don't see that there's much loyalty
0: left, and I don't think that's ever coming back. So
1: in that context, returning to the beginning question, I posited that one of the classic ways to do it was to stick around at a company for a long time. But if you're doing that, then you're basically giving up. um, According to our thesis, you must change jobs to get the really good improvements in your paycheck. You're giving up those good improvements. Choosing to, quote unquote, invest in yourself by staying at the same company and maneuvering to get a manager's position, I guess. That seems really kind of...
0: You're disincentivized to do that. And yet we know
1: managers must exist, so where are they coming from? Is there some managerial track that I just completely missed out on at some point that I I don't find out? Maybe I need to go back and go to business school, Um, maybe that's what it is.
2: I mean, there is the, you know, you, you... Do night classes and you get your, you know, your master's degree in business administration or, or whatever. Um, there are other courses that exist out there for like project management that you can take. But that's then very much, you know, you're having to take the incentive there and do all that and then go to your company when there happens to be an opening. Um, and again, you know, at that point, you're up against whoever is doing the hiring trying to decide whether or not, uh, you know, do I want to get somebody from outside who has proven big air quotes management experience or this person inside, which yeah, might be good, but might not be. Um, that's, that's a roll of the dice.
1: This is a really kind of thorny issue. Yeah. There's no guarantees in hiring. No, ever on either side like the person hiring. Especially if you if you struggle to source talent, right? It's hard to find talent these days. I, I keep hearing people alluding to the fact that there you can't find, in our area, it's difficult to find a good DevOps engineer because there's so many data centers and so many network support and computer support organizations that they're just dying for anybody with DevOps experience. And so I remember someone grumbling how much they were having to offer in order to get even just decent quality developers. And good luck trying to land one of the good developers, because they're all safely tucked away and its stratospheric cost. That's, you know, that's just market forces at work there. If you're good at something, then people will want to pay you adequately for what you're good at. But it seems like, wouldn't there be... Well, market forces also say, if there's a demand for something, then the supply will rise eventually to meet the demand. I don't see that's happening. Is that something you've observed?
0: Not really. Okay. Maybe it's just in my area then. Well, you've been you
1: live in the middle of nowhere, so I don't know that we can use regional regional data as a good uh, measure here. And I don't have any data to back up that there's. It's hard to find good engineers, but I do know that companies like Amazon. Remember, about four or five years ago, when they were going around getting everybody, every city, major city, to give them bids on what they would, what kind of tax benefits they would offer if uh, mm-hmm. Amazon chose to move their headquarters there. And they ended up settling in Nova, which had offered them among the worst terms. And it was like, are you kidding me? We worked so hard. Like, I know that uh, North Dallas actually worked really hard on their bid to bring Amazon here, and we were in the, one of the running. I think we were in, like, the final five or something, if I remember reading. And it really came down to they were concerned about getting talent. Period. End of story. They were concerned about if you're hiring 10,000 people and you don't want to relocate them all from somewhere else, and you, odds are people that are in Seattle don't really want to relocate to Texas, that's not really a yeah, not pipeline. Really. People go the other way, I think. Yeah, so it'd be hard to get people, even if you could get an adequate talent in Texas, it's, it's not going to be enough. You're going to have to bring people to Texas, and who wants to come to Texas? A lot of people, apparently, but no. Amazon didn't seem to think that they could get an adequate talent so they ended up just going for nova which is northern virginia sorry if i'm using slang there right where everything else is where where all the governmental organizations are and there's lots of other high-tech companies in that area and i think they expected to come in and poach some of those people and that was they, they were their biggest concern was getting adequate talent
2: well i think also that gave them the benefit of being next to big daddy government
1: that's true too yeah I'm certain that had nothing to do with them winning that massive uh, defense contract. Yeah,
2: nothing about doing cloud services for the government. No, not at all.
1: Nothing. Like, no, not at all. I also read somewhere recently that uh, Virginia has some of the densest computing power sources in the world. Like there's, they're calling it a data center row or something. This is a new term to me. It makes sense. I mean, there's, what, three Amazon zones built in Virginia alone? So, and it makes sense that they would want to move to Virginia. They already had a good foothold there. So it's weird that Amazon, a company from the West Coast, had such a strong AWS, the, the chief zones are in Virginia. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. But there must have been a good reason for it.
2: Again, big daddy government.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. That's a good point. You get those government dollars, it's really hard to top, I guess. Yeah,
2: that, and, you know, it and, it uh, it gives certain... Organizations a uh, easier way to uh, schmooze and then get their tentacles into data feeds. That's true too.
1: Oh man, I don't want to go there with that. Ooh, yeah, I don't think about that. But the the reason to bring up Amazon was that the talent you're able to hire matters deeply, right? And I was under the impression, maybe mistakenly, that with COVID proving remote work was very possible for almost everybody, most jobs can. To be done remotely, that that would be a great equalization in where you can source your talent. If remote work is much more acceptable now, then why not hire from the really smart guy that happens to be located in Well Fargo, North Dakota?
2: So that's kind of a multi-edged sword there. Um, <clears throat> okay, because that definitely enables companies to source from anywhere in the world. That is a good point. What is what is interesting is when you kind of get the contrast of, you know, hey, we, we are a company, we can hire remotely, so we're going to hire a developer from, oh, I don't know, let's say, I don't know, let's say Norway. We're going to hire three developers from Norway because they, they develop, then they're good, or whatever. Okay, so great. But then the company also says, however, if, if you're in the... Um, If you're in the United States, you have to work in our office. Like, wait, what? If across the planet is fine, why, why do they have to be in the building if they live in the U.S.? Like, why in the U.S. do you want them to actually relocate to your office if you're already saying that remote works great and that's why we're hiring these guys who will never come into the office? I have a sneaking suspicion, and I could be entirely wrong, that some of the clawback to we need people in office is because certain people in certain positions did not like how a, they lost their little domains of power and B, they lost the ability to micromanage people, which was effectively all they were doing anyway. And without people being in office, then their job, what they actually do kind of vanishes and they have to make they have to make up exposed. stuff that they're doing now right. because, oh, crap, I can't just be monitoring all these people and, and talking with everybody and doing all the things. And now it's clearly laid bare. Oh, yeah, you were literally just, right uh, you know, handing pieces of paper back and forth. And, you know, <laughs> between the people, yeah, the Speaking people of above space. you to the people below you. And you weren't actually really doing anything. You were just being a very fancy papal shuffler, making it look like you did a whole lot.
1: Um, well, I guess in the modern part, this would be email shuffler. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, you get you get what I'm saying. No, I, th- I think there's a lot of that. And companies have long-term leases invested in their operations at, at a physical location. And probably a lot of them are looking at their balance sheet going, our office is 75% empty. Why are we paying for this big office? How do we downsize? So I think there's some, some companies are demanding employees come back to the office to justify the cost of the office that they don't want to let go of or whatever. But I think there's, there's a lot of, a lot of reasons there. Multi-edge sort of like you alluded to earlier. It seems like, uh, I was really excited for the changes that were coming from the whole COVID work scenario. I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, up up before COVID, there were just a lot of things about life that I felt were never going to change. Like it was, it was, you got a job, you had to go into the office, right? And then all of a sudden, here we are, all working from home out of necessity, and demonstrating that this can work. I was actually really excited for a lot of things that would be torn down, societal constructs, and replaced or or reevaluated in a post-COVID era. And it seems like a lot of people—they want there's such a strong demand to return to normalcy that they will, people are generically embracing the patterns from before COVID just because it's familiar without doing any of the evaluation like is this still suitable for us in the post-COVID era and going back to work is one of those I
2: also think there's a level of how do I want to put this um self-serving by some people who are pushing this because they know that if well if there is a physical requirement to the job that you have to be in this area that means their competition for their job is a lot less because they're no longer competing against the entire U.S. or the entire world for their position. They're competing against the people locally.
1: That's true. And
2: they're pretty sure that they're the best one locally. But when it opens up to, well, anybody in the U.S., they realize, oh, um, yeah, I might not... There might be somebody who's going to look a lot better on paper than I do. So this, oh, no, 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 we got to go back to the office. We all got to work in office. It's going to be better for us to work in the office is less about what's good for the company and more about kind of a
1: security in their own job. And that's, that's insulting to my intelligence because it's, it's pretty obvious at some point. You know, there's a lot, like the people that are demanding come back to work. A lot of times I just, this didn't, didn't happen to me. My company wisely figured out, hey, um, people don't actually want to come back to work. I think uh, my VP might've strongly hinted that he wanted people to come back and we were all like, we like working from home. So then a company offered, people could work fully remote, they could do a hybrid where you come into the office one or two days a week, or they could come work full-time at the office like before. You had to choose kind of ahead of time. And then they did the hoteling thing. So you ended up getting kicked out of your cube. And on the days you come into the office, if you're doing a hybrid, this, I guess this is only for the hybrid workers. Uh, you would need to register a cube to work out of. So that's kind of what they've done. They they leaned into it. I was not very pleased with what they did it took them a little while to do it but also at the same time there was a economic uh, downturn in the organization we had to right-size some things so it actually think saved them money to do that too so it was in their interest and it worked out well for us so i I think that i wish other people have that experience i know several people that were like forced to go back to the office and how unhappy they are or were one person in particular i know i because they didn't want to go back. They refused to. They just left and worked for, now they're working for some company out of Denver and they're, they're not coming back to the office. You know, they don't need to. Now it seems like, uh, I, I can't speak for all companies. I only can speak from my experience, but my company did a very well, good job handling that. And,
0: but it, it kind of brings to mind, let, let me
1: ask this question. In a remote work forward working environment, are the skill sets different for a manager than if you've got everybody in the
0: office? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I would say yes. Okay. Seems like uh, the,
1: there's fewer skills needed to learn slash demonstrate in a remote work paradigm. Would you agree with that?
2: Um, I would actually say the opposite. Oh, okay. Because if you're working with people in person, you have all that accessory information when you're dealing with people. You can read their body language. You can see how they're standing. You can see the way that they're talking. You can actually see and hear the way they're talking with their coworkers. You can observe all of that and take that into account. When you're remote and you're managing people remotely, well, A, you don't see anything that your employees are talking about between each other. So you don't know if there's something that's bubbling up on the team that you're not catching wind of. Two is if you're just doing a webcam, you know, to talk to somebody a few minutes a day or maybe a few minutes a week. Like, you're not able to actually assess the way that they're getting along, the way that they're proceeding, you know, our... because text is so flat and there's so little information that gets put across when you're trying to manage someone. Um, so in a way, I think it's actually more complex and more difficult because you're having to work harder to get what information you can.
1: I would posit, though, People are doing that already. That's kind of, you converse online. That's, it seems like those skills that you would have had to develop if you're, everybody's in the office and you're working a classic managerial position or something. You don't need those kind of skills as much. And the skills that you do need, as you're alluding to here, are ones that you've been honing because you've been online for years, decades, and you have practice trying to generate an emotional sense of what someone's saying just from text, right? That's a completely different skill.
2: Yeah. And we can see how well that is and how well, you know, most people get it horribly wrong 90% of the time when they're having a conversation. Yeah. Except now it's not, we're having an argument on a message board or on some chat program. Now it's, it's literally tied to your and their livelihoods where the costs are way, way higher. If there's a misunderstanding you know, if you if you interpret them saying something a certain way that they didn't mean, you know, they if they're making a sarcastic quip or just saying something out of frustration in person, you'll get that. Oh, okay, yeah, they're just they're frustrated, they're speaking out of frustration. But you know, if it's in text or over a web call, you might not realize that as much, and you're thinking like, oh, well, screw this person.
1: It's an opportunity. Let's say this, my company, one of the things my company focuses on is like an ideal is to over communicate and and pursue clarity and all things, which means, you know, being sarcastic and not making it known that you're being sarcastic is not really part of the company ethos. Yes, we're going to be sarcastic. We're going to be cynical about things. We're going to make jokes about things, but it's kind of, I won't say we're trained, but we're encouraged to be much more open about it. Like this is a joke. You know, when you make your joke, don't forget to append your slash S, that kind of stuff. I guess that's how you translate it into the modern online era. So I think our company does well on that. And that's one of those it bridges the gap there. I just, it feels like people have been conversing online for a long time. And it's a natural fit when all of a sudden now we're conversing online with our coworkers as opposed to seeing them in person. Even when we were all in the office before COVID, most of our communication was across Slack or or Teams or whatever your communication medium is that your company is using.
2: But again, hold on—that that's entirely different because you've had that actual time with someone to learn about them. Okay. You come into a company and your interaction is only online. You don't know their personality quirks. You don't know their tendencies for how they communicate. You don't know, you know, their typical body language when they're when they're saying something one way or saying something another way. Um, you know, you're coming into it of it's literally just words. Okay, that's fair. I think, again, I think there's a big difference between conversations that you have on on a message board or on a chat program, maybe a total of 30 minutes a week with somebody versus a job where it's five days a week, six days a week, potentially lots of time, several hours each day you might be interacting with somebody. That's, I think those are different enough to where saying, well, you know, you've, we've been doing this online and on. On IRC, and you know, I don't, I don't think it's a direct corollary to. Well, we figured out how to do it then, so we're going to be able to do it now. Okay. Because there's that scale issue. That's true. Yeah. But I think I think makes it a lot different.
1: And if I'm the manager, and I'm like, if I'll, all I have now is text or some video, sometimes that makes my job a heck of a lot harder to get a sense of what are my employees feeling or doing. Are they happy? Or are they not?
2: Yeah. And if, if if again the stakes are higher, if you and I have a misunderstanding off of something you know we we talk about on telegram it's not going to be the end of the world it's not going to ruin a week it's not gonna... whereas if you have a misunderstanding with your supervisor that could very well be you need to start looking for another job so with those stakes being higher everybody i think kind of subconsciously is going to have an understanding of that and it's going to make things a little bit more stressful intense which then is going to exacerbate the likelihood that there will be some sort of misunderstanding
1: or whatever. inadvertent. That's true. So I, I understand and I can concede you're probably right. That the stakes are much higher. I wasn't thinking of it that way. Yeah. Well, that was unfortunate because I was hoping to be like, hey, I've got some of these soft skills because I've been on the internet for 30 years. I can do this. In case I throw that thought out. And coming back to the original premise of, of my question, I'm like trying to how do I demonstrate I've got managerial skills? How do I make that jump? I guess that's not... That is not a sufficient way to demonstrate that. Honestly, it feels like it, maybe I just need to go back to school, which I really don't want to, because that seems like an awful lot of money and time.
0: Really don't want to do that. Surely there's another way. Yeah.
1: It's something to consider more, and there's, there's more, so more depth there. I've got an idea oh, for you.
2: I've got an idea really? for you, Really,
1: You're going to be helpful? Here, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be helpful. Hang on, let me think. It's um, start a I'm recording a new, the date and time because this is a rarity. Yeah, yeah. So
2: start a new distro with plans to be easy for people to migrate from Windows to Linux, and you can call it like right, like Lindo Right. Or okay. So and then get a team around you and then develop that and release that and then then you'll have management experience.
1: So this is you being helpful.
0: Yes, this is
1: me being helpful. Right. See, I knew it. I knew this was going to come with barbs. I knew it. I was all ready for it. Yeah, we're having video troubles right now. I can't even see him. But I just knew this was a setup. Kind of... Of course. Heard it in your voice or something. I just knew it. Anyway, so that's kind of disappointing. I'm disappointed in you, JT.
2: <sighs> no, you're all
1: not right. No, well maybe. Mildly. If I
2: if I didn't if I didn't throw some sarcastic barb out there, you would okay, be Okay, that's actually
1: true. I would be like, "Wow, is JT off his game? He missed an opportunity. I gave him some low-hanging fruit and he didn't take it. What happened? You no? Know? Does he not love me anymore?
0: Is he seeing someone else?"
1: Bad jokes. Ah, okay. So there's there's a lot more to unpack in this topic, but I think um I need to do some more research and I honestly would I would benefit from discussion in, in our telegram and matrix channels about it and you know, maybe catch some anecdotes from other people and listeners send in information about that i'm not soliciting jobs here let's be clear i like my job but i am trying to figure out how to bridge this gap and i'm certain i'm not the well, only. hell, one.
2: I'll, I'll solicit some jobs okay if, if there's somebody out there that's got a better job than what i got you know jt know. is
1: soliciting jobs <laughs> and i guess I'm, I'm kind of always up to hear about a better job it's just where I work is pretty good.
2: Oh, oh, oh! see, now you're jumping on my train. Well, now that you turned it down and I took it, now you've, you won. You've opened how, the door. I'm is. just
1: following you through the door after you've already opened it. But uh-huh. you opened the door. You weren't man
2: enough to open the door yourself. You had to have me open it.
1: I don't think it's um, being a man Which about it. Which just
2: shows that between the two of us, I'm definitely the better manager material because I will take that
1: well, initiative oh, and open oh, those I see. doors yeah.
0: and benefit your company. You, you're climbing so.
1: the ladder by stepping
0: on me. Right. Yeah. Okay.
1: So now that you've, you've, are you done embarrassing yourself? Are we, are we done with that? Uh, I'm not embarrassing myself one (laughs) bit. This is not going to go well. Anyway, I would benefit from hearing from listeners and and getting some feedback from our channel about how I can go about this and uh, advice, frankly. I don't have the answers here, clearly. I was hoping JT had some, and he did. He offered some input, but. Seems like, uh, your initial answer was, I have no idea. And through our discussion here, neither of us really came to a strong conclusion. So, hopefully someone out there does, someone who's listening, uh, does have a strong conclusion and would share it with us. And we'll be like, okay, here's a playbook. Let's follow that playbook. So, we have many ways to reach out to us. The Matrix and Telegram channels are active, and we have much meaningful discussion of them all the time. And then we have the... Fireside, I believe it is. Fireside or sign? I still get that wrong. Fireside. Fireside. I get it confused with Firesign Theater, which is a thing that I used to listen to with my dad. And um, that's a way to get in contact with us. There's a little submit post in there. Uh, also, the probably the best way, that, probably the way that people use the most is uh, just emailing jt at com, And that goes straight to JT, who will read everything. He reads everything. And then he tries to set me up when we have listener feedback episodes with uh, some of the feedback. And we have a great time with that. Yeah. and I'm, I'm feeling... I'm really kind of noticing just how much of this podcast is adversarial.
0: <laughs>
1: I hope that's entertaining. Um, I don't know if it's
2: that adversarial.
1: Right. But still, there is kind of, there is kind of a lot of it. But I, hopefully it's entertaining. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some. Yeah. yeah. If it's not entertaining, let us know. Uh, any closing thoughts, JT?
0: Um.
2: Wow that that's feedback. what happened there. How can I turn that off? Um, I'm trying.
1: He's trying go. to fix the video problems. To, uh,
2: since my camera's acting up, I figured I would uh, start the phone, so then you could actually right. see. But anyway, uh, no, nothing else. Nothing else really on my mind. Uh, the only thing I would end with is uh, just our typical uh, be excellent to each other.
1: All right we